0: I'm so glad to have you here today. Thank you. We serve a good God. Amen. Better is one day in the house of the Lord or the courts of the Lord and a thousand somewhere else. Let me tell you something. This is better than jail. It is. It's, it's a better better in a lot of things in our lives. Amen. Better than a hospital bed. It's better. But it's so much better than so many things, all joking aside. So much better to be in the house of the Lord. I want to read to you a psalm that you're going to recognize, or many of you are. You're going to appreciate this psalm um, as we look at it today. Again, uh, You, I, I'm asking those of you who are familiar with it, not to allow your mind to say, okay, been there, done that, and check out. Don't check out. Look again with me at the 100th Psalm, Psalm 100, and see the words there. And we'll be considering this for our message this morning. In Psalm 100, a psalm for giving thanks. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness and come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Watch this uh, short, uh, brief video here and then I'll be back up.
1: So many ways to say I love you. Followed up by so much stuff. Here are some ways to say I love you. Just in case English ain't enough. Te amo said in Spanish, je t'aime mes enfants. Aishiteru is Japanese, in Korean i Aronghe. It's dish in Deutschland. I'm in Dutch Tiamo is Italian, moltissimo, very much. Ja, blau, blue is Russian. In Norway I ja, ask a day. Yet in Swedish and in Danish, Ya ja, ask a day, I ja, day. Te amo Portuguese. Wo I mean and that's Chinese. chum is said in Poland, don't mistaken it for a sneeze. Arabic, they say, oh, heaven but in Hebrew, it is said To a man, I need, oh, To a woman, it's instead. So many ways to say, I love you. So many gifts and so much stuff. But now you can say, I love you. Because you know that English ain't enough. I love you.
0: How good are you at saying I love you? What about the God? How good are you at telling God you love him? We're embarking on a new series, uh, but not a new subject for our church. Our series is called Purpose. And I want you to know that despite rumors to, to the opposite... We try around here to organize what we do for a purpose. We try to do what we do because there is a reason for us doing it, if that's making sense. I'm not articulating this very well, but we try whenever we are doing whatever we do to fulfill a purpose uh for existing. There's a reason why this why we are a church, why this family exists. And we have some core values in our hearts. We have a purpose that we believe God has given to us. And there are some things that um, as your leader, I guess, I have brought into uh, this particular church, some things that have become core values for us. So much so that we have gone and and printed up some signs Love, grow, serve, and reach. And we have them outside of our church. And those aren't just words to us. They have meaning. And they have meaning as to what our purpose as a church is. So, if you will, pastors would call this kind of a series a church DNA series. What are we? Who are we? And, and what do we do? And how do we, why do we exist? And why do we do what we do? I think once in a while, we need to revisit these words, love, grow, serve, and reach. There's reason to what we are doing here. There's reason for what we are, are trying to accomplish as a body of believers. In this church, we hold to the importance of worshiping the Lord God. And we express it As one of the four core values, as I said, that are on our walls. The word love appears first by design in this. It says that first and foremost, we desire to love God back here in the Gospel Chapel. Now, can I please ask you again, as I have said to you before, and repeat this to you, can I please ask you to put to rest whether or not God loves you? My goodness... What more could he have done to prove his love for you? He loves you. And you can take that to the bank or wherever else you want to take it. There's not a question as to whether God has love for you, whether you mean something to God, whether he values you. He gave his son for you. He loves you with an everlasting love. And I will remind you, as I've said several times before, God's abilities and capacities for love are so much beyond ours, it's ridiculous to ever think God can't love me. He can love all people all the time, all at once, because he is eternal God. He's not a man. He's not a person. He is the Lord God, and he has the capacity to love you that you and I could not possibly understand. We have a very small percentage portion of the ability and capacity to love that God has. So please never make the mistake of transferring your capacities and your understanding and your limitations of love to the Lord God. God is a limitless God and he loves us with everlasting love. And I say, yay, God. I'm glad that he loves me that much. And I praise him that he is that kind of God. And so when we talk about love here in our church, we never question the fact that God loves us. But we feel obligated in our hearts to love God back well. And it's something that we are trying to do and we want to do. Gary Chapman wrote a book, and it was for couples, so you know he's a counselor, and a Christian counselor. And the book's uh, title is The Five Love Languages. And in the book, Gary identifies languages of love. And here's what the five are, if you haven't read this book. I think most of you have. They're, they are quality time, words of affirmation, gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. And Gary asserts that all of these languages need to be involved in relationships, especially marriages. And he says all of these love languages need to exist there. But just because we're wired the way we are, people value certain of these languages above and respond better to uh, these languages, one above the other. For example, most women... That I know would say that they, as, as far as the way that their spouse or, or their, their loved one or even their children can say, I love you. The way they can communicate it is through quality time and acts of service. That's not all women, but most women want that. My wife wants that. She wants me to be around her. I don't know why. But she likes quality time with me. So what that doesn't mean, and I had to learn this, it took me 38 years. That does not mean me sitting in front of a TV set watching TV while she's in the same room. No, no, that's not quality time. Now, what that means is there's time that her and I are focused on one another and we're enjoying one another's company and we're doing some things that Darlene enjoys and I enjoy and we do things together simply to be together because she just loves being with me. I'm kind of irresistible to her, sort of like catnip to a cat. I don't know why, but that's the truth. The other thing that says I love you to Darlene is acts of service. So, if I really want to, to get my wife thinking, ma'am, my husband loves me, then all I have to do is do the dishes without her asking me to. And that says, I love you. You shouldn't always do the dishes. I, I live here too. And because I love you, sweetheart, I'm doing these dishes and sacrificing and burning my hands in the hot water. Or if I were to, on an off chance, make the bed for her. Or say, wait a minute, put that vacuum away, sweetheart, it's my turn to do that. That's how I communicate to Darlene, I love her. And I, you know, everybody has to find their own rhythms in their, their relationships and their marriage. And for Darlene and I right now, we're in a season where she likes the store tour. Okay, let me explain to you, that's quality time for her. And so on our day off, which tends to be Friday, I know that I can look forward to spending time with Darlene going from the the ReStore to the Salvation Army thrift store and to any other thrifty kind of cool secondhand kind of thing store that she wants to go to. That's quality time for her. OK, and so that's hey, that's her love language. I've learned that happy wife equals happy life. And and so that's Darlene's love language. And everybody has a love language. OK, some of you are looking at me like I just grew a third eye. OK, so that's not your love language. Some people say, no, man, I don't care if he's with me. Just give me gifts. OK, I don't know what your love languages are. I know that for most men, most of us guys, us married guys would say, well, my love Language is words of affirmation. I like it when she tells me I'm all that and two bags of chips. I like that. I like her to brag on me and say, you are so cute. You are, you know, that's, I like that. And most guys would say they like physical touch. And I'm going to not go any further with that conversation. (laughs) This is a church service after all. But we're talking about love languages here. And I want to ask you the question again. How good are you? At telling the Lord God that you love Him, I would submit to you that one of God's love languages is heartfelt worship. I mean genuine, heartfelt, focused worship, not just going through the emotions, not just disinterested, distracted, sort of sitting there and, and going through the emotions worship. I mean worship that comes from our heart, where we are expressing to our God that we love Him. It's a value here. What we strive to do is create an atmosphere that gives you an opportunity on Sundays and when we gather together for other services to say, oh, God, I love you. I worship you. I praise you. And this is a valuable thing in our relationship with one another. But more importantly, in our relationship with God, you see love matters here. Love matters. It matters to us that we love God back and that we love him well through worship. So how do we express love to God through worship? How do we hit on his love language then? Well, for me, the book of Psalms provides a wonderful resource for us on this subject. Psalms is a beautiful book of worship. And often it is, it is a powerful, helpful tool. Most of the psalms were penned by David, a king who was a true worshiper of God at heart. In fact, God even said of David, this man is a man after my own heart. That's the kind of worship I want to be involved in, don't you? Doesn't God deserve that? This particular psalm may have been one of David's. It's not really identified as such. It, it, it certainly takes on the style, but is most likely uh, intended to have been sung before thank offerings before the Lord, make a joyful noise to the land, uh, to the Lord, all ye lands. It has some good guidance for expressing one's love to the Lord through worship. And can I back up and just say there's other ways to express your way to the, the your love to the Lord, okay? I, I need you to know that. But I want to hone in on what, 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 how we can express it well in worship, okay? And so that you're aware, that's where we are going with this hundredth psalm. It is a worship psalm, if I've ever seen one. So with the brief time I have left today, I want to highlight, in the same straightforward manner as this psalm is written, the key precepts mentioned in it. And here we go. The first word I want to share with you that is found right away in this psalm is the word shout. It says right at the very beginning of this psalm in the New International version shout for joy to the Lord all the earth shout In the book of Psalms there are about a dozen or a little bit more than a dozen of uh, times where the phrase shout to the Lord or for joy to the Lord appear or shout unto God. There's more than a dozen times that that appears alone in the, in the book of Psalms. The idea is to energetically praise the Lord with our voices. To assert ourselves. To make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And I already am looking into the faces of some of you and you look like deer in the headlights. When I am saying that this is what is said here in the word of God, despite jokes to the contrary, make a joyful noise unto the Lord is not about bad singing. It is actually about lifting up a joyful shout to the Lord to use our voices to express love to God. And this would be a good place for me to just stop and, and give you a little commercial. Okay? Uh, to say to you that worship is a very, very broad subject. And there are times when it's an appropriate thing to worship the Lord joyfully, loudly, and with celebration. And there are times when it is more appropriate to grow very silent and to sit before the Lord in reverence and awe. And be amazed in his presence. Both beautiful ways to worship. Both touch the heart of God. I need you to understand that your pastor knows that. And so don't get scared for a minute. But there are times when it's appropriate in worship services to laugh. And there are times in a worship service when the appropriate thing to do is to weep. Before the Lord. All of that said, I do think that it would do our church a little bit of good to celebrate around here a little more often than we do. And to exert our energy to say praise to the Lord, to intentionally exert our energy in worship. Largely because of the generosity of other people in my churches, I have had the honor and the privilege of being invited to go along with somebody to go see a professional football game. Let me tell you, if you want to, to strike on my love language, take me to see the Redskins play. Oh, yeah. That's my team, and you know that, and you know I suffer greatly because they're my team. Don picks on me all the time, Pastor Don, because he's a a, a Green Bay Packer fan, and they're, they're a better team than my team, but so be it. I still like watching them go play. So every once in a while, I've had the privilege of going. And let me tell you, I mean, I've always been impressed with a lot of things when I go to one of those professional football games. One of the things is how large those men are. I'm afraid she's going to hit me there. How large. I thought I, I messed up on my love language right there. Stepping up and going to hit me with the kid or something. Um, but I've been impressed with how large those men are and how well they move. They're monstrous, man. And thank God none of them have ever tackled me once or I wouldn't be here. I mean, they're just strong, powerful people. And, and so I've been impressed with that. But one of the things that happens in a professional football game, at least any time I have ever been, is they have that really cool screen called the jumbo uh, trom. I'm going to have one of them in my mansion in heaven. I love the size of it. It's gigantic i want it and so they 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 will put on there at some point something like this make some noise you want to guess what happens in a football professional game a professional stadium in redskins let's just talk about a a fedex field a redskins game you want to guess what happens when they put that on the screen everybody who is a fan of the redskins stands to their feet and they begin to shout And they're encouraging their team on and they're saying, you guys are the bomb even when they stink. You guys are the bomb diggity. We have hope in you today. And they begin to make a whole lot of noise. They jump up on their feet. And guess what? I was there. I did it too. I was right there losing my mind with the rest of them looking like a knucklehead yelling, come on, you can do it. I was right there doing it. And you know what? Almost every home fan stands up, no matter who they are. And almost every one of them exerts themselves to shout and make some noise for their home team. And almost every one of them uh, gives all that they have. Many translations look at this verse, something like the King James Version that says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all ye lands. And it's telling us, as I said, to, to exert ourselves and to use our voices to praise God. And I'm going to say it. Once in a while, it's an okay thing to do. Once in a while, it's all right to use your voice to say, praise you, Jesus. And once in a while, it's all right to even shout to the Lord. You'll remember God used a shout to bring the walls of Jericho down. God is blessed by the shouts of his people. Now, someone may think, Pastor Ken, that's not how I worship. And it doesn't fit in this culture. And it's not me. And if people start shouting in this church, I'm out. Going, I'm I'm uncomfortable. But here's what I want to say to you lovingly, kindly. My Bible still says, shout to the Lord, all ye people of the land. It is fitting to lift up shouts of praise to the Lord in a sports arena. It should be fitting once in a while when God is good. And let me think, last time I checked, He's good all the time. We should be willing to shout once in a while and give Him some praise and glory. Someone may say to me, it makes me uncomfortable when someone shouts, but it's still in the Bible, my friends. And I'm, we're not here to make each other uncomfortable. And I'm not asking you to be a big phony and a fake. But once in a while, it's okay if somebody gets a little bit of enthusiasm, even in a white church full of a bunch of Pennsylvania Dutch people, to once in a while say, praise God, He's worthy, He's a good God, and He's worthy of praise. It's okay. And guess what? It's a love language to God. When we lift up genuine, heartfelt, God, you're good to me. I praise you. I lift up my my praises to you. And you are worthy of this praise. Once in a while, if we do that, that is a blessing to the Lord. And I'll get to that in just a minute. I think once in a while, it would be a good thing for our church to just kind of lose our dignity once in a while. I'm not saying act all nuts and crazy for the sake of acting nuts and crazy. But if behind it all, behind your shouts, behind your exerting yourself, there is something in your heart that says, I love you, Lord. And I'll shout it from the rooftops. Let me tell you something, guys. I remember dating way back in the Stone Ages. And there was a, a, certainly, when I was dating my wife and I was still trying to get her to be my wife. I would have gone on top of any building and shouted from the top of my lungs, I love Darlene. If that would have impressed her, if I did that, she would have left me. So I don't do it. But I'm just saying. My wife loves to come home to Zoe. And most of you know who Zoe is. Zoe is our demon dog. I mean, our dog. It's a half chihuahua, half papillon with ears bigger than anything else on its body. But it's a cute little dog. And she's she's a good little dog. And Darlene absolutely loves to come home to Zoe. You want to know why? Because sometimes I'm home before Darlene is. And I can tell you, I've watched Zoe in action. She waits all day for my wife to come home. She waits all day and I can be sitting there and petting Zoe in my lap and somehow Zoe senses of disturbance in the force. I don't hear a thing. All of a sudden she perks up. And I can feel her heart rate beginning to, to get a little faster. And her eyes get really wide. And the next thing I know, she bolts off of me. And she's at the door. Ee, 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 whining and carrying on. And when Darlene comes in, into the door, uh, the dog goes off. I mean, oh, I'm so happy. She's the kind of wagging that wags her whole body. You know, everything wags. And she's so happy. She's jumping. She's up and down. She's expressing so much joy. You came back. You didn't leave me alone with him. Thank you. You know, and she's jumping up and down. She's so excited to see Darnay. And Darnay likes it. It's a love language for her because Zoe is going, That's oh, Zoe. And she's petting her and having fun with her. And she'll be, oh, mama loves you so much, mama's baby. And she'll walk by me and say hi. And keep going. <laughs> Chop liver just sits there feeling sad. And then I... You need the Lord. Uh, so... So one day I said to her, that, and this was with the previous dog that we had, another Chihuahua who was really vocal and excited to see her. And and I said, Darling, when you come in, you know, you're so, so excited to see Rocket and you're petting him and you're excited and you're petting him and, and talking to him with such a sweet voice. And you walk by me and say, hey, I said, what's going on? She says, well, do you get up and greet me like that? <laughs> and so I tried it once. I wagged everything I could wag. I jumped up and down. I even tried to lick her. She told me never to do that again. Now, all joking aside, what do you think the Lord? What do you think tells the Lord you love him? How do you think... It, 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 what do you think it means to God if He were to put you next to a, a person who genuinely lifts up praises to the Lord and once in a while loses their dignity and shouts because simply they are so in love with the Lord? I had the honor and privilege of growing up in a, a little holiness church. Well, say what you want about their celebrations and their worship, man—they loved the Lord. They were so passionate about it, and I've told you about that that tradition and how it was for me to. Be Be there when the saints of God got happy and began to dance before the Lord and jump up and down and shout. I was present in services when the Holy Spirit would come down and people would run the aisles because they were so overcome with joy. And I know that they were legalistic and I know that sometimes they went way overboard with stuff, but it came from a heart of passion for Jesus Christ. They were madly in love with the Lord and I'm scaring the kid. But I have to tell you something, folks, I'm not asking us to return to those days, but I am asking us, what do you think moves God's heart more? Someone who genuinely just expresses their joy to the Lord and once in a while gets excited and shouts praises to him or somebody who keeps their dignity all the time? God, help us to understand that this is a love language to God. And it's appropriate to worship Him. I'm going to say this. He is a God worth praising. He is a God worth worshiping. And once in a while, it's okay to just kind of lose our dignity and say, Bless your name, O Lord. It's hard for some of us to even do this when we praise God. Well, praise God. Better is one day in His courts. You know... Once in a while, it would be okay for us to just lose our dignity and give praise to the Lord. I'm not saying I'm trying to convert you into somebody you're not. But I can just say it's odd to me that we can go to a professional football game and all we need is a jumbo thong to come on. And jumbo, I'm not saying a tron. Jumbo thong? That was way wrong. I am so sorry. I didn't mean that. I'm having a bad day here. Tron. Jumbo Tron. I might be having a stroke up here. I'm not sure. But anyway. But all we need on a football field is some sign that says make noise and we'll go nuts. God help us Christians. God help us. If that's what if that's how we are geared, that we can't come into a church once in a while and freely express our worship to the Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. I'm moving off that subject because I'm getting in trouble and I'm making you all laugh at me too much. If I have rattled you today with what I have just said, said, please don't turn me off just yet. Please hang on for just a bit and hear the rest of this message. And hopefully I'll be able to put your fears to rest That no the cheese hasn't slid all the way off of his cracker. I'm still sane. the second word. I'm going to dismiss you in about 10 seconds. All right. The second word that I want to share with you is the word serve. In the King James Version, verse two opens with this phrase, serve the Lord with gladness. The New International renders it worship the Lord with gladness. The original Hebrew word Holds both of those meanings. The word that we translate. Serve or worship. Have the same uh, meaning. It says that when we worship God. Listen to me for a second. When we worship God. We are serving him. It says that when we worship God. We are attending to him. And not the other way around. That's an important distinction. Because it makes our worship. About him. And not about us. How can we express our love to the Lord through worship. If we think the experience has to come to us. Now, bear with me for a moment, because this is something I see in a lot of American Christian churches, and it's a little bit heartbreaking for me, honestly. When I've gone on missions trips, I've seen it uh, be a lot different. But here in America, we have developed this attitude when we come to church that we need to come and we need to find a, a comfortable seat and we need to like the temperature of the room. We'd like to we need to like the music and we need to be in a place where we feel like we are being catered to, where we are being served. And what we kind of do is this. Go ahead, try to bless me. If I'm not inspired, if I don't like the music, I'm not praising. If I'm not inspired and I don't like the way the pastor looks, I'm not praising. And we sort of sit there if things don't go just the way we want them to go. And if and our mindset is move me, inspire me, make me feel like praising God. And that's not in the Bible. I want you to know that this psalm says no. Our attitude should be, I'm going to church and I'm taking the opportunity I have to serve my God with worship. Let me just put it to you this way. God has served you all week long. God has provided for you. He has blessed you all week long. He's loved on you all week long. He's done things for you and kept bad things from happening to you all week long. God has expressed his love to you. And now when you come into a worship service, you have an opportunity to serve him. You have an opportunity to worship Him. Shame on us sometimes. We come to church and we don't worship because we haven't been inspired. And I, I'm, I'm telling you this breaks my heart when I hear people say, well, I don't get fed. Well, I want you to, I want you to, to hear me for a second. Being fed is not the responsibility of the church. Eating is your responsibility. The church's responsibility is to provide an atmosphere where the food is out there. You still have to pick it up and eat it. And in worship, it isn't bring it to me and make me inspired and move me until I actually feel like worshiping God. No, this says serve the Lord with gladness. Worship him with joy in your heart. So I love this verse. It reminds me that worshiping God well isn't dependent on my mood. Well, praise the Lord, because some days I get up and I'm having a bad hair day. Some days that happens to me. Some days I'm not in a good mood. And every once in a while, I'm not in the mood to jump up and say, well, bless God. I mean, we all get there. But this is my chance when I'm together with you for me to serve God through worshiping him. And he's worthy, isn't he? Doesn't he deserve it no matter how bad things are going in your life? God's still good. He's still a great God. He's still God. And he's worthy to be praised. And all oh, I pray that God will help us with this. We come to serve him. We come to praise him. It's in this precept where it is all about him, not to us. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made it. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. I'm sorry, Lord, for what I've made it. I'm sorry that I'm expecting people to inspire me before I'm willing to worship you. It just doesn't even make sense that the king of the universe, the creator of it all, has to inspire us. What he is, is inspirational enough. And he's a worthy God. Notice this psalm doesn't say to shout because we have no problems. Amen? doesn't tell us to do it when, when, when things are all going well, it's good to shout. That's not what this psalm says. It just says, come to the house of the Lord, ready to serve him. And I'm just going to say, what this precept teaches us is to look past what's going on in our lives and look at the Lord and worship him because God is good anyway. And he deserves our praise That's certainly the attitude that Paul and Silas had when they were wrongfully arrested, beaten to within an inch of their lives, put uh, just about naked into a a stench hole of a dungeon at the very bottom where it's cold and smelly, where all the human waste had had drained down into, sitting them in that, and from there they began to worship the Lord. Why? Because they served the Lord with gladness. They, They praised the Lord. This precept says don't come into a worship service to be moved, stirred, fed, or inspired. Come to serve the Lord. Come to worship Him with gladness. Make it about Him. Not an experience. Not about a tradition. Not about anything else. Love the Lord back through worship. So concept one is shout. Concept two, serve. Here's the third precept that I want to share with you. Sacrifice. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us. <clears throat> we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pastor. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. This precept is a little less direct in this particular portion of Scripture, but it is at least alluded to. It's the concept of Sacrifice of praise. It's mentioned directly in Jeremiah chapter thirty-three, verse eleven, and in Hebrews chapter thirteen, verse fifteen. I'm going to start with verse eleven, and, it, and verse eleven is a continuation of a thought of, of Jeremiah. But I'll, you'll see that I I underline for my own purposes here something in that verse: the voice of joy, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, the voice of those who say, "Praise the Lord of hosts for the glory." The Lord is good, his mercy endures forever, and of those who will bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, for I will cause the captives of the land to return as, as of At the first, says the Lord. Now, over to Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verse 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of the lips that openly profess his name. As I said, everyone has bad days. Everyone has those times when those seasons in life. When things are hard. When things are difficult. Everyone has times when they don't. Feel it, or when they're not excited. Last week we had standing before you somebody sharing a testimony of a deep trial that he went through. He was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. He went through; they, the couple went through terrible financial pressure. They, those weren't fun days. Those weren't happy days. I'd say this if he were here today, and and he happens to be away on a holiday. But I would say one of the things that I love about Joe is through it all, he kept his smile. While he kept his praise, he would play the keyboard sometimes with one hand so that he could lift the other to praise God with. Not because things were going well. That's a sacrifice of praise. He did it because God is worthy of our praise. He offered the best he had to give to God through his sickness. And he offered the best praise he knew how to give in spite of the fact that things weren't going his way. And that's a sacrifice of praise. And that's what this psalm is saying. Know that the Lord is God. He's still on his throne. So he deserves our praise. Amen. Lift it up when it's hard. It's easy to praise God when life is easy. It's easy then, it's when you're down in that valley, when you're struggling, when your emotions are wrecking you, when everything else is not going well, that you still, instead of whining and complaining, which is what I will do sometimes, stop and say, God, you're still a good God, you're worthy of my praise, thank you. And will you hear me for just a second? I am not advocating when you are going through a trial, something very hard, something very difficult, somebody breaks your heart or whatever. I'm not saying that you run around and skip like you are happy and joyful about that. But you can always bring gladness to the house of the Lord because of who God is. Okay, I'm not saying you deny your problems. I'm not saying you ignore them. I say praise God because God is worthy anyway. That's what this psalm is about. We're talking about loving God back. We're talking about being a people who recognize God is worthy of the best that we can do. And this is important to us here. This is something we want to be. We want to be a joyful, grateful, worshiping house of God. I want people who walk into these doors feeling broken and lost to say, wow. Look at all of these people joyfully worshiping God. I want that. That's contagious, my friends. Especially as as they come, they learn your lives and they say, Oh, they're normal people. People sometimes wonder about that especially about Christians. No, they're normal. And they go through hard things. And look at them. They're they're joyfully worshiping the Lord. How's that happening? And we have opportunity then to tell them, well, it happens through the power of a great, big, wonderful God. Amen. For all the bad that is in my life, there is someone good. God is so good to me. And so I want to challenge you, my friends, that that is at the heart of our, our passion about loving God back. Andrew, you can make your way up here. And I'm just going to share just a couple of things I, I, I've been kind of blazing through here but I'm going to just go to this one passage of scripture. I want to to have you today when you're not feeling so motivated to come to church and not feeling so motivated to worship, to remind yourself that the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. So praise him. Do you wish your church was more attentive to your needs and that people were more friendly to you and that your spouse was better looking and your pastor was more interesting and less long-winded. Praise God anyway. I'm making jokes a little bit here, but listen, a sacrifice of praise is an appropriate thing for the Lord. Lift it up. Let him hear it. Let him know, God, you are a good God. And so I just want to challenge you. Be the Christian in this particular church whose worship is inspirational. Here's the last thing. I'm going to wrap it up with this. It only takes one or two. In a crowd this size, one or two people who are inspired and moved by the Holy Spirit to really praise God genuinely from their heart. As they begin to do that, boy, it lifts the spirits of the whole church. I've seen it over and over and over again. And sometimes it's just downright inspirational. I joke a lot about this But if I'm driving on a long car trip and I tend to go a little bit over the speed limit when I drive, go ahead and laugh. I tend to go down the road, I usually about seven, eight miles over the speed limit when I'm on a long trip until somebody inspires me. If I'm going about seven or eight over and I'm tired and, and I'm driving down the road, I'm just being real here. I'm telling you who I am. And somebody goes rolling past me Uh, like um, 10 miles over the speed limit, I've been known to be inspired and follow them. I'm not advocating it. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying I'm a person who gets inspired. More importantly, I've been in church services and there have been days that I've gone to church with a burden, with a hurt, and I've sat there and I've been close enough to somebody who got moved by the Spirit. And again, if you don't mind me hearkening back to the days when I was a kid and I would see somebody get blessed. And I don't know how, but suddenly the Holy Spirit would bless me and I'd be very, very blessed. (laughs) And I'd have to start shouting and praising God. It only takes a few people to worship with all of their heart, to inspire broken people and hurting people to begin to praise God. And I want God praised in this place. I want him worshipped. I want him glorified. It's a value for us. It's part of our purpose. We exist to worship the Lord well. Amen. Will you help us do that? Will you purpose in your heart? You know what? For me, I'm going to come to worship to serve the Lord. Not going to concern myself with what others think about it. I'm just going to serve the Lord. I'm going to give my best. To serve God. This is my service to the Lord. So when I come to church. I'm going to put my nasty little attitude aside. And I'm going to bless God instead. Amen. if, If enough of us do this. You'll be amazed at how inspirational that is. To a world that is broken and hurting. Simply praising God the way he deserves. And again. If some of you shouted. It would just like my wife. It would shock me. And I might have a heart attack here. Okay. I understand. I know who some of you are. But every once in a while, it's okay to say, you are worthy, O Lord. Can you purpose with me, God helping you, to worship well? Worship well. Father, help us with this. I know I've had a little fun with this, and I've tried not to in any way be disrespectful to you. Because this isn't a little subject. This is an important part of living out our life for you. So I pray that you will challenge us that we would be a people in a church that worships our God in a worthy manner. I just know one day we're going to see you face to face. And I don't think people will have their dignity then, Lord. I think people will shout. I think when Jesus comes out, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords before us, we will worship and praise your holy name. And Lord, we're sorry. We're sorry for the mess that we make out of worship. We're sorry, Lord, for the things we've created it to be. Oh, God, just just take a hold of us and lead us to worship you as you deserve. Because you'll work in that. You inhabit the praises of your people. Bless us now as we leave here and inspire us to serve you in Jesus' name. Amen.